You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. Hey guys, this is Bill Dawes. Welcome to the Afterlaugh. This is actually uh, the pre-Afterlaugh, which I guess <laughs> should just be called the Laugh. All right. Oh Say it God. like Mitch Hedberg. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, this is a really cool episode. We have Esther Koo. Esther Koo grew up in a cult, and she had a really wild, crazy upbringing. She's very honest about it. We have Maggie Sargent as a co-host, who also grew up kind of as a cult, and made me realize that uh, comics have fucked up families. How about you, Tommy? You have a fucked up family? I don't know. I don't know if I would say fucked up. It's just kind of weird. I mean, I think everybody's family is so weird at, in some way or another. You think so? Like, even what you would call a good childhood, like just having money. Like, some people I've heard had money, but then they were just emotionally neglected and abused. Yes, yes. And then some people didn't have any money, but so that was how they were fucked up. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Even if you look at Tom Hanks, doesn't he have a, a son who's like on Skid Row? Yeah, it's it's like you're everyone in America could love your dad, but that doesn't mean your dad loves you, you know. Yeah, and if he does love you, it doesn't mean that you won't have severe mental problems. Um, Some people sometimes the parents love kids too much, and that fucks them up because they think because then the real world fucks them up. Yeah, that's true. It's 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 very interesting. And by the way, uh, congratulations are in order for us because we got our first cease and desist letter. Uh, a woman who did our podcast on the video and on you know the podcast network was uh, told to take down the podcast. She got a cease and desist letter from the lawyer for her family. I'm from not her name. family. More her, fucked up family news. More fucked, exactly. That's the thing. She had a really fucked up family. She's like, I'm going to talk about my fucked up family. And I was kind of going like, wow, you're saying everything. And sure enough, the family heard. They got lawyers. They threatened a lawsuit. We took it down. I'm not going to name her name, but she dated George Clooney for 13 years. Uh, maybe down the uh, line, we're going to re-release it or we're going to re-record her. She's, she's a great comic. I don't want to blow up her spot. But I feel kind of proud that we got one of them to get taken down. Uh, so yeah, so fucked up families, that is a theme. If you guys want to mention your own fucked up family, or you have questions or requests, send an email to tom at laughfactory.com, tom at laughfactory.com, and make sure you subscribe to us on SoundCloud, or rate and review us on iTunes. Five iTunes, star- iTunes. iTunes is the way to go. Five stars only, and give us a nice review. <laughs> Say how cute we are. We'll or just also something. accept four and a half stars. But no, four. No, you're being only a dick, five. Though you'd be yeah, a dick. Yeah. we'll take it. But you're being only a dick. five stars if you want spiritual enlightenment and good karma in your life, or just you know whatever, have a <laughs> shitty life. Uh, that's it. You guys are great. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy Esther Q. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh, <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Afterlife. We have a very special guest right now. We have uh, Esther Koo and my friend of many years who used to work at The Laugh Factory, yeah. Maggie Sargent. Hi, Bill. Who's here Hi, playing Esther. co-host. Hi, Bill Does. <laughs> How are you, Esther? And Maggie. Now, uh, Esther, can I just say what happened right before we started? I don't remember what happened. Exactly. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you took a bite of... Uh, of a, a pot chocolate bar. Is that what we say? Is it a pot chocolate bar? I feel like it's such a nerd. I feel like a dad. Yeah, you do sound like a dad. A pot of marijuana chocolate. Inedible. You, you took sound a bite. like you worked for the Reagan administration <laughs> in the 80s. <laughs> My dad did. So, uh, so yeah, you took a bite of it. Are you feeling it already? 
No, stupid. It I don't takes know. Like an hour like an to hour. work. <laughs> I don't know how oh digestion works. I'm not a weed guy. I just I just bring it. You if know? you were my stepdad, I'd like tell my mom, stop fucking him right now. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him out. He's a loser. <laughs> okay. Well, welcome to the podcast, Esther. So glad you could come. <laughs> now, uh, Esther, I've been I've been. A, can I say I've been a fan of yours? I've been a fan of yours. We have we don't really know each other that well. I know we should supposed to be like our best friends, but uh, <laughs> I've, we performed in several shows in New York. One of the things I love about you is you always seem to have a great time on stage. You always have. Aww, a, you do. Thank you so much. Is that something that you you know about yourself as a comic, or that that people have told you? Is that something that you? No, you're the first person to ever say that. <laughs> really. No, but it is true. I mean, I think we're just all so self-absorbed that nice. we never take time to like actually put adjectives on another comedian's act, you know? So I think it's yeah. really nice of you to say that. Yeah, okay, good. You know? I guess I'm ho- hosting but it's, but points But it's true. I, I do like to have a good time, and I just like to have fun. I was voted most fun person to work with. In college, not to start dropping credits already. (laughs) Name drop. It's most fun to work with in what? Was this like a theater department? I was an orientation leader for my college. Oh, where'd you go to college? U of I, Big Ten school. U of I, and that is Illinois. Illinois, I knew that, yes. Yeah. Okay, so um, so let's let's start back to Little Esther. Little Esther was born. Oh my God, that used to be my name. Really? Until there's another Little Esther. Well, my mom was as missionary Esther. So they labeled me Little Esther to keep track. Why of was us. she? She was. I guess she was a missionary, or she just she liked was, that position. She no, was. No, she mi- was a missionary. Yeah. Like my parents were hardcore church people. Oh wow. Mine were too. <gasps> really? Oh my god. We have that in common, <laughs> for sure. Oh my god. Yeah, you guys are going to like bond over this. Not so much me, but yeah. Uh, what kind of religion? A born again Christianity. Oh yes. my. Is that yours? No, evangelical oh. Christian. Well, yeah, it's same thing. Well, kind of. What's yeah, the difference? What's they're evangelical both, they're mean? They're both hardcore. Yeah. It's evangelical means you sing a lot, right? We did sing yeah. a lot, and I still sing. It's like Bible-believing, It's like hardcore literal. fundamentalist, like take yeah. everything in the Bible literally. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, my dad is the same. So fundamentalist, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah, kind of they're all similar. Yeah. My dad, so for, born again Christian, my dad was yeah. as well, uh-huh. and a fundamentalist, and uh and Let's now we're here with weed on the table. <laughs> who had the most religion? Okay, let me just say this. One thing that happened when I was a child, I had a really bad lisp. Like, I, I couldn't speak what very well. What do you well. mean you had? Ooh, here we go. The first thing <laughs> of the night. I know, it's a problem. Now that you said it, it's going to get worse. You know what I mean? I'm going to start regressing. Uh, so, I, I uh, one time I was saying a prayer and I was just slurring it in my bad southern patois. And... Uh, the next day, my dad was like, hey, Bill, were you, uh, I think you were speaking in tongues last night. Because of your lisp? Yeah, he thought I was speaking in tongues, and he asked me if I was speaking in tongues. And f- at the time, I remember thinking, like... I know, they all want to believe yeah. that they can speak in tongues. And they all want to, to think that their kid is, like, the chosen one, chosen oh, by God, or something like that. tell me about it. <laughs> okay, probably more so with you, I'm getting. So, you were born in Illinois? Yeah. Where in Illinois? In Chicago. In Chicago. Like city of Chicago or suburb, and you're trying to look cool and say Chicago. <laughs> city of Chicago. I was cool till I was six, and then I moved to the suburbs. Where in the suburbs? But it wasn't my choice. I wanted to stay in Chicago with my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're six years old. Did you move to, like, John Waters? Uh, not John Waters. John Hughes? Who did, like, who did like Breakfast the John Club? John Hughes movies? Yeah. Yeah. It was at that school? No. It, but, but when I do watch those movies, they are very, like... 
I went to a very quintessential American high school. Yeah. yeah. I loved high school. You I had loved so high school. High school helped me leave the church because I had so much fun. And I was like, these kids don't seem like they're bad people. But yeah. at church, they were always like, your friends are sinners <laughs> at yeah. school. Yeah. And that's where they made the mistake of sending us to a regular public high school. Yeah. Because then I learned stuff in science class mm-hmm. that went against the Bible stuff that I was learning at Bible study. Yeah, yeah, so you believed in creationism and that Adam and Eve and all that. And then at one point you're like, wait, evolution? And then I'm like, wait, my friends at school think for themselves. Yeah. But at church, I'm not supposed to think for myself. Yeah. Now, when you were at home, were you a rebellious kid or were you just kind of like towing the line and no, secretly? I was, I was such a good kid at home. Yeah. I was like doing the laundry. I was washing the dishes. I was waking my siblings up for school. How many siblings do you have? Four siblings. Y- all younger? Three younger. Three younger. Yeah. Okay. How old are you? If you don't I'm mind me 38. Asking. Okay. You're not allowed to ask that in a podcast in I LA, mean, she Maggie. Looks, she, looks she looks like she's 22. 20. It's amazing. <laughs> it's dark outside. <laughs> I, I'm 20. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. <laughs> we all look young for our ages. So. Yes, exactly. Let's not talk about our ages. Okay. So, um,. <laughs> So you were like, so you were kind of, you were the responsible kid. You were taking care of your little siblings. Right. I didn't have a social life. Like people at school always ask me, what do you do after school? Because they all hung out with each other. Yeah. And then I was always taking care of my siblings. I was basically my siblings' mom. Yeah. And my little sister to this day talks to me as if I'm her fucking mom. And yeah. I'm like, bitch, listen, <laughs> I've done a lot for you, and I'm not your goddamn mom. I didn't yeah. give birth to you. Don't get mad at me for shit that I, you know, I was a kid myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> I love the idea of, of a younger sibling thinking you're the mom because your material is so dirty. I love it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's funny, too, that, right? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So, what? How did comedy come about for you? So, you were you were a good kid in high school. Obviously, you started. Le- you said you started learning more about your friends. And did you kind of break from the church in high school? Yeah. Or- yeah. When I was seventeen. So seventeen, you're basically a senior life year. Changed for me. What happened? Um, I learned how to masturbate, <laughs> and then I was like a full fledged <laughs> masturbating sinner. <laughs> so, so masturbation was a sin according to your parents. It obviously. was like masturbation was like the gateway drug, you know, to uh, leaving the church. Yeah, it really, it really <laughs> <laughs> to me for me, everybody yeah. has their story. Okay, so you discovered How did masturbation. You leave the church. You I pro- was twenty eight when I left. <gasps> oh my so god! Yeah, yeah. Maggie was. You got married to your high school sweetheart. Is that right? I got married to my college sweetheart. Your college sweetheart. And then it unraveled after I taught children's church and couldn't teach them about sin. I just did a video online, actually. So it's I'm 40 now. So it took me 12 years to, oh my God. to get over it, actually. And now I'm just now starting to make a comeback. I think it takes a while after you deconvert. I don't know if you ever get over it. I yeah. heard, like, Christmas music, like, uh, <laughs> Silent Night at the grocery store, and I start fucking singing like I'm in the church choir again. Yeah, well, that's not so bad. That's, <laughs> that's such a bad I thing. I still love Christmas music. <laughs> Okay, so you were, uh, so at 17, did you tell your parents, like, I'm done with this? I'm done with the church? No, because I didn't really communicate with my parents. Now, not to be stereotypical, but you have, your parents are obviously Asian, I'm assuming? They're Korean. They're Korean. Okay. We're Korean. We're Korean. Were they, did they fall into the cliche of, like, the tiger mom and and the very strict parents? Um, in some ways, yes, but not really. 
my parents were not like other Asian parents. Yeah. But maybe every Asian who wants to feel special says that. So how were they different? Were they were they were just more progressive? They, or? they just had like low self-esteem. Like <laughs> they didn't really ever say you have to be a doctor or a lawyer or successful. Yeah. They actually wanted me to go to community college uh-huh. over a four-year university. Wow. And they wanted me to be a secretary and a housewife and yeah. a missionary wife. So they wanted you to have kids. That was like the thing. Exactly. Because it's easier to recruit members if they're your kids. Yeah. Yeah. Unless I'm your kid. And both your parents were missionaries? Yeah. Did they travel the country trying No. They were missionaries to America. Oh no. They thought in their heads they thought they were evangelizing Americans. Yes. Is that did they come here? Are they like first generation or Yeah, they came here in like seventy eight. Okay. In seventy eight. Yeah. When you were Born. And when they moved Jesus. here, were they Christian or they, they became indoctrinated to the church when they moved no, here? No, they moved to Chicago with a huge group of Korean missionaries. Oh. So there was a whole community mm-hmm. of Koreans yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. And we all had like that railroad style apartment uh-huh. where you go through one room into the next bedroom and then yeah. it's bunk beds full of bunch of Korean kids <laughs> and <laughs> it was like madness. Yeah, yeah. You know? So it was kind of like a low middle class type of upbringing? It was an immigrant upbringing. Yeah. It was like we're poor, we're immigrants. Like yes. my dad w- worked for the uh a paper company. Yeah. You know, like my dad got laid off from like making paper at a paper company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. making minimum wage probably. Yeah. And then my mom was a nurse. So she got them into the country because okay. there was a shortage of nurses in the 70s. Yeah. Okay. So that's how they got in. And then um, my dad was like this freeloader. he got on unemployment. Yeah. And was like, and my mom was like, you're going to get on unemployment. Yeah. You know, so your dad was on unemployment? Like, just like Korea didn't have unemployment. Yeah. But in America, there's rights. Yeah. There's luxuries like yeah. unemployment. Like, wow, we're a freaking. Unemployment is you know, great. We're loading up on this. Yeah. So I was really raised by Mexicans, if you think about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then, um, and then my dad got a job at the post office and then he became a federal agent. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Like, Post office employees are fucking federal. Yeah, they are. They Aren't are. Aren't they? Yeah. No, like, I, they believe in the government and yeah. Totally. Yes. So I had these like very authoritarian people over me and nurses. People think nurses are like the most like caring people. They're not. They're so jaded by yeah. all the sickness and uh, disease and illness and accidents that they see that they're so like immune to it. Yeah. You know, so. For sure. The five of us, we always wanted to go to the hospital, but like my mom would just like treat us herself. Uh-huh. But we always thought like going to the hospital was a luxury. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like my friend Katie went to the hospital. I was like, you're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> What's a hospital like? Tell me about it. You know, it's like my mom thinks she could just cure me. And I guess she always did. Yeah. Yeah. And so you were 17. You broke from the church, um, but you didn't do it in like a big grand pronouncement type of way you just kind of like i mean it was grand because no girl had ever left the church before that Uh, and how and so this big community all you know everyone in the community and everyone's in the church and no one has left 
since we were babies yeah. together. So you were the first person in this group that kind of left. I mean, yeah, like there were guys who left and then their parents stopped talking to them. Oh, wow. And it was like, you're shunned. It's yeah. like the Amish It's people. like Scientology, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're told that, you know, you're a sinner, that you left yeah. God and... Now you're just off having, they just assumed I was out having sex. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, I didn't have sex my freshman year at all. But you're masturbating like a fiend. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. you know, I, I think that, I, I think masturbation is such an interesting subject, maybe because I'm a dude, but whatever. I, 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 I just, I didn't, my, my dad, his burden bees to me was keep it in your pants. Literally, he just said, keep it in your pants until you're married. That's what he told me. So, so while you masturbate, you put your so, hand in your pants? So <laughs> when I, yeah, good call. So so when I s- started masturbating, I, I, I thought I'd like discovered some some weird secret, like I unlocked some universe that nobody knew about. And I had no idea what it meant or what I was doing. How old were you? I was like 30. No, I was, uh, <laughs> no, I think I was probably like 13. And oh, I would never, but wow. they never, they never shamed me about it, but they never talked about it. My poor mom, they like. they knew? I mean, I'm thinking like uh, all the sheets my mom had to change and never, never <laughs> said socks. anything. Did you really, did you put it in socks? I didn't masturbate into a sock. When I heard about that, I was older and I was like, why would you, you know, do I that? I think Just when teenage boys start masturbating, you guys should have to clean your own fucking yeah. sheets. Absolutely. <laughs> why make your mom clean up your cum? She already never. had to like get doused with your dad's cum. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows how many times. Uh, at least three. But, uh. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I never thought about my mom and, until like much later. I was like, oh wow, yeah, because I just and would never, <laughs> never think about it. Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe this Christmas I'll bring it up. Hey, mom, <laughs> all the times I masturbate, never once used a napkin. I guess you wouldn't use a napkin like tissue. Am I stoned? Anyway, uh, <laughs> so so you went to college. Now you you hadn't had sex at this point, but you were you were masturbating. Yeah. And uh, when you got well, to college, I was supposed to get an arranged marriage. <gasps> Oh, my God. Yeah. So I went to like a million Korean arranged marriages. So I, perf- I performed at weddings at our church. What do you mean? Perform? Like I did you sang? Da- I did dances and stuff and I played the piano. Oh, and wow. Stuff. So yeah. you like sing and dance and. I was like an integral part of the church because my parents were basically one of the main founders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Did you tell them that you were leaving, or did you just slowly slip away, or did you move away? Um, it was just one night on a Friday night. We were like in Shepherd Gideon's apartment, uh-huh. having a Friday night testimony. Is this one of the Gideons? One of the actual Gideons, like the Gideon Bibles? <laughs> Is the same name? I don't know. Well, his real name was Frank, but like okay, everybody got a new name, okay. a biblical oh. name, because you know Frank was his sinner name. Yeah. So Gideon mm. was hosting Friday night testimony sharing meeting. There's literally probably five people in the apartment, but they call it a meeting just like we yeah. call it a comedy show, even yeah. if there's five fucking people there. <laughs> 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 right. And um, and I walked in with this tie dye T-shirt that I made in chemistry class. And when I walked in with this bright blue, yellow tie dye T-shirt, everybody was horrified. And I'm 17 years old. I don't know anything about hippie culture and drug yeah. culture. This was my fucking science project. <laughs> yeah. So I walk in and they were horrified. And they rushed me into the bathroom and they were like, you can't. Uh, they thought like the devil had come over me. Like, look at her wearing this hippie clothes. Oh, wow. So 
I'm in the bathroom and his wife Ruth was looking for an appropriate blouse for me to wear to this testimony sharing meeting. Wow. So she comes out with this peach blouse. I put it on. Then I come out of the bathroom and it's see-through. So she shoves me back in the bathroom <laughs> and then she goes to look for an undershirt. Everybody at church wore undershirts. Like, wow, it was crazy. So like a slip, you know, yeah. yeah. like I, I did my mom's laundry all the time and the slip was always there. So, um, so I'm sitting there. She gives me this, she gives me Gideon's undershirt Yeah, with like armpit stains <laughs> And he was in the army Ugh. and it was just like a gross undershirt that she gave me, you know, cause she was a bitch. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> she was yeah. a pear shaped bitch. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there going, why am I letting these fucking people tell me what to wear? Yeah. This was a science project. I made it at school. I'm proud to show off yeah. this, you know, thing that I made at yeah. school. And to me, it just hit me at that moment. Like, Fuck these people. My friends mm -hmm. at school can't be bad people. I really like them. I laugh with them. I have fun with them. And I don't think they're bad people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then so I just decided from that moment on, I stopped going to church. So during that meeting, did you say something? You just like you grinned and bared it and then you just. Yeah, I grinned that. and bared it. And then I and then. But after that night, I just stopped going. You I just stopped Well, going. I started wearing. It, it was almost like it was hard for me to articulate. Because yeah. I had nobody to talk to about this. Yeah. It's not like I had somebody at school that I was like, I think I'm in a cult. <laughs> you know, like you, when you're in a cult, you don't realize or you don't know who to talk to or who to trust because you're like, yeah, everybody's been lying to me yeah. about this religion shit. So I it was hard for me to articulate. So I started wearing jeans to church. And then the pastor's wife was like, Took me aside, was like, if you're going to wear jeans to church, you can't play piano here. I said, well, if I can't play piano, I'm not coming to church anymore. And then that was Whoa. just the end. And you stopped going. And then I just stopped going. Were there interventions? And I just, like, took myself out of it because they needed me. Yeah. You know, like, I was playing piano every Sunday for the past fucking four years for them. And they never paid me a fucking cent. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you don't want me to wear jeans? Well, then fuck you. Yeah. I don't need to fucking perform for you yeah. every week. And so when you left, people must, there must have been an uproar. People try to get you back. Do they try to like have an intervention, anything like that? The pastor's wife took me out to eat lunch. And that was the intervention, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, having, being taken out to eat lunch with her, uh -huh. it was an honor. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, now you want to treat me like, I'm one of the white sheep that you're trying to recruit. Yeah. Because up to that point, I was one of just a missionary kid. And the yeah. missionary kids were always looked over. We were like fucking slaves to them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, because our parent, because we're already in the church. They don't need to convince us to join. Yeah. Whereas I saw all these like white college students being recruited to join and they'd get wined and dined. Of course. They get, you know, personal one on one attention. And stuff that I never got until I said I'm leaving. Yeah. And so. then when they gave you the tent, did you come back? Did you keep playing piano for a while? And were you, No, I, I you left. Were just, Screw it. I'm yeah. Done. Then I went to college. And then you went to college. Yeah. Okay. So, and your parents were okay with this? They were like, uh, you're out of the church. Big deal. Yeah. My parents were always really lackadaisical about stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the church people were controlling my life more than they were. Yeah. yeah. That's how crazy this organization was. Yeah. 
is because like I had my Bible teacher, so there's a hierarchy. So mm-hmm. I had to listen to Shepherdess Julie sometimes over Shepherdess. So it was Shepherd and Shepherdess. Shepherd and Shepherdess. Wow. Yeah. And then if you had joined the church, they would have called you a sheep. You know, yeah. I, I brought a new sheep to Sunday service this week. This is Bill. They would actually call. They would call you a sheep to your face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wow. You sheep, get over here. Yeah. Meh. And they Not and then that would that would be part of the prayer. Like you know, next wow. week, uh, may God bless uh, missionary Esther with six new sheep. You, they would say this in front of the sheep. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. So, uh, so when you went to college, obviously this cult didn't exist in your college. So how far away was college from where you lived? It did exist in my college. Oh, it did? Yeah. And this guy that I had a crush on, he was like two years older, this Korean kid, and the only Korean kid I ever had a crush on. (laughs) 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 And he would, he left the church in Chicago, but then he would be going in Champaign. And it was like three hours south of Chicago, Uh and he would like pick me up to go to church with him. But uh, he was hot, so I just wanted to like course, see him. Of course. Look at his hot face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? But then eventually I was like, all right, this is fucking... So am, nothing happened with this What guy. am I doing? No. Because yeah, there was no premarital sex in this community. You couldn't... It was bad. It was... Oh, he was having a lot of premarital sex. Oh, he sex. was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not me. I was like, you know... Okay. I was like his friend's little sister. Okay. Yeah. So he was like protective of me. Yeah. Little did he know that... I was down to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> You've been practicing for a long time in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're ol- you have an older brother, older sister? Older brother. Did your older brother, because my older brothers, uh, they kind of said to me like, hey, Bill, it's all bullshit. Just so you know, college is bullshit. Just have fun. They were all number one in high school, number one in college, perfect students, married, kids, everything. And they all were like, every step of the way, they're like, and you're the fuck up. They were like, don't. But but they never made me feel that. My brothers were always like, do what you're doing. You're doing it right. You're. Ha- but they were successful. But they were doctors. Did they, they were try? Both, yeah, they were. They were both geniuses and doctors, but they were also kind of not that happy because they just towed the line. And they, they were, were like, living vicariously through you. Kind of, yeah. Because so, they're like, we're gonna be doctors. We're ambitious, but Bill, you're the fun guy. Yeah. You should. And so they all kind of they, they've all kind of been like, yeah, man, I kind of wish like they got married yeah, who you know, wants fairly to go young. Yeah, medical and, school. That sounds like hell. Yeah. So, but your older brother, he was kind of he was still indoctrinated into the church. He oh wasn't, my god, he was the hard most hardcore one out of all of okay, us. Okay, yeah. Once I left, my little brother left. Then my other little brother left. Oh, then wow. my sister left. Oh wow. And you know, my sister was thirteen when she left. She oh, boy. was actually able to become a cheerleader at you know school. Yeah, I'm like you're lucky because yeah, exactly. You, know? you had to bear the brunt of it. Yeah. Of course. So you're you're in college now, and uh, what were you majoring in college? Well, I wanted to study music because I had been studying music and yeah. been performing every week, um, and I actually got pretty good at it. But my parents were like, "No, you won't make any money, so study business." And I was like, "Business." <laughs> I was like, "Fine, I'll study business," and then I just picked marketing. Yeah. But I really, that's my biggest regret in life is I really wish I would have studied music. 
Oh, I really? studied marketing too. You did? Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Are we twinning? Oh my god! <laughs> and we both have sneakers that have zippers on the side. That's pretty I know amazing. that's more superficial. Yeah, but but like when we dig deeper, we yeah. have all these similarities. Yeah, yeah, I see it. How did you leave the church? Oh, I um I was married at the time, and I just had a total meltdown and told my husband I wanted a divorce, and I like told him I was in love with somebody else, and I had to run away from it. Did you make that up? Um, I, there were. was kind of a guy I liked, but nothing happened with us. But I had to get, I, I had, um, these clueless guys have yeah. no yeah. idea that we wanted <laughs> to <laughs> jump their bones, right? I mean, it, it was so hard, but it's, I was old. I mean, I, I'm almost embarrassed. You got out at 17, but to be 28, like I, w- I believed it. No, full, but sometimes I get embarrassed that I lasted, you know, lasted till 17 too, because you know, you hear about other kids. Oh, I left Catholic church at eight. I knew that was bullshit, yeah. <laughs> but but I think it's more of a testament to how crazy the church's um, manipulative ways are than yeah. it is of our intelligence. Of course. Know? Of course it is. Yeah. You know, like like your church was probably super hardcore, too. Yeah, it was. I mean, things you're saying, I'm just like, oh, yeah, it was like I'm, that. E- even to this day, growing up with a boring Christian dad, like there are certain things I feel very uncomfortable with. Like certain things I like there are certain yeah. things when I say I just like I. I have like, the, am I being blasphemous? You know, it just goes in my head like, yes, it just hits because you get you, you. It's ingrained when you're a young kid. It is ingrained. Like, it's hard to shake that. When I'm 85, I'm going to be talking about my childhood. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you don't Absolutely. ever forget your childhood. Yeah, I think I've forgotten a lot of my adulthood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know, weed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but your childhood. Really, it's indelible. Yes. yes, everything that happens to you is, you know, you really remember that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I didn't mean to put you on the spot asking your age, but the reason I did is because I, I wonder if this was specific to a certain time. Like we grew up in the '80s. Do you think it's different now with younger people in church? Like it, it's not so hardcore anymore. And that was, yeah, know, that time. I think so. Yeah, the '80s were just more hardcore in every way. Yeah, yeah. we didn't know oh, yeah. as much. We didn't have the internet. Wasn't Sometimes it? I'm like, I grew up without it, and yeah. Well, Satan was a thing in the '80s. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like there were cults of Satan, and there were Satanists running around kidnapping people, and music. People were speaking backwards in tongues, and all this crazy yeah. shit. So yeah, I I completely think the '80s really fucked people up, <laughs> and and homosexuality was like. Yeah, yeah, I remember thinking about that. I remember writing down like, "What are my thoughts on, on gay people?" Because I wanted to like think it was okay, but I didn't know if I was allowed to think it was okay. It wasn't allowed. It wasn't. I remember when I found out that the village people were gay. Yeah, I got mad at my computer teacher. I was like, "Why didn't you tell me the village people were gay?" Because I was anti-gay. Because I was Christian. Yeah. 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 And he he like was surprised that I had that I was against gayness. That's yeah. so funny. You know, because I was like this like really funny kid yeah. in school that made all the kids laugh. Yeah. And so I seem like I'm liberal because I'm like hanging out with everybody. Yeah. And then and then all of a sudden he's like looking at me like, what? You're, <laughs> you know, yeah. but I, I was anti-gay because that's what the church. That's what they you. told you. It was a sin. You go to hell. Yeah. My church said uh, when the movie Titanic came out, they like condemned the movie producers of the titanic movie they're like how dare they spend millions of dollars making a stupid movie about a ship when there's dying people in africa who need to be saved that doesn't make any yeah. sense of all the things that you're gonna 
go up in arms like that. They just, I forget what the budget to the Titanic was. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was like something that they prayed about. Like, yeah. all these fucking sinful Hollywood people yeah. spending millions of dollars on movies yeah. when it should be spent on, you know, missionary work. Meanwhile, these kids in Africa, all they want to do is watch the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're you're marketing in in, uh, in college, Big Ten school, and now at this point, do you feel free? Does it feel like a completely different existence? You're like, no, okay. I didn't. You know why? Because I was living on this dorm floor of all these girls, mm-hmm. and these are Midwestern girls. Yeah. Okay, and in the Midwest, they just have like. They're just conservative. Yeah. And I felt I was crazier than them. Uh. And I wanted to go lose my fucking virginity. (laughs) But every frat party we went to, they would always save me. I was like (laughs) dancing with this guy. And they would always be like, save her. (laughs) I'd be like, bitch, let go. I tried to lose my goddamn virginity. (laughs) I finally found myself out of church. Yeah. At a frat party, a beer in my hand. I found a drunk guy who wants to fuck me. Get the fuck out of my way, Kelly. And then meanwhile, also, you probably look like you were like, <laughs> that's genius. You probably look like you were 14 on top of it. So everyone was probably very protective of you. Exactly. Yeah. They were super protective of me. And, you know, I lived on a great dorm floor and I made a ton of girlfriends. But they kind of got in. the. They were the biggest cock blockers. Of course, of course. <laughs> It also, has, hasn't changed, has it? Also because the whole like sex education of getting date raped mm-hmm. was just starting. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we learned that in high school about date rape, I think. Yeah. Like in oh. junior and senior year of high school, like you could get raped on a date and it was like, what? And so everybody was always on super high alert in yeah. college of like one in four of you will be raped by the time you graduate. So Jesus. we were always on high alert. But I'm like, you guys, I should have just told them, like. Yeah, you I'm, never said, listen, Becky. <laughs> I want to lose You know, it. Michelle, <laughs> you could just, you know, let me go. Like, I got, like, I was, like, doing 69 with this one guy in his frat room. Okay, so wait, wait let's, well, let's let's back up a bit, because right now you're a virgin, and now you're doing 69. So oh, how right, did the 69 right. thing, how did you get to that point? Well, I don't know. I, Kelly was, like, distracted. Kelly by was distracted. <laughs> By the DJ. <laughs> Fucking Kelly with her. She had like this tur- curly. Oh, her name was really Kelly. Okay, yeah, good. Yeah, she has super curly red hair. Oh, those are the worst. You know, like super tight <laughs> curls. <laughs> and so Kelly was like always spearheading the saving of me. And and then uh, somehow I found my way upstairs to this guy's room, uh-huh. and we're like hooking up. Yeah. And then fucking Kelly busts in. Oh wait, okay, hold on. So, so back up. So you st- <laughs> this is the first time you made out with a guy too? No, no, no. Okay, so you made out with plenty of guys, but you'd never had gone t- to second base. Can we say that or third or whatever? So I this mean, is the first you'd gotten with a guy. This might have been the first time, maybe. Yeah. 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 And you're sixty nine in this guy, and Kelly walks on in on his couch in his frat room. And then fucking Kelly walks in like we found like they were they were marching around the whole frat party like where is she where is she? And then they finally found me. Imagine how many other like sex you know hookups she fucking oh that was her mission yeah. So she walked in. Did she politely leave or she's like Esther? What are you doing? <laughs> was it based on religion? Was it like what you're doing is sinful or was it just like? No, You're gonna get it raped. was like, I'm going to protect her from getting raped. Yes, okay. 
So she saw you 69ing. Yeah. Which is, if anything, that's a very consensual move. <laughs> you know what I mean? True, right? <laughs> but true. still, she was uh, adamant about me getting off his dick. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, she said, get off that dick right now. And you're like, but I like the dick. No, I felt like she was like my mom. Yeah. Like as if she was playing my RA or something. Yeah. And I got in trouble like, oh, Kelly's here. I got to go now. <laughs> I pull my pants up and get off his dick. Yeah. And then he was probably not, like. You wouldn't be on a dick, right? If you're 69 Right. Well, your oh. mouth would be on a dick. Oh, okay. right? yeah. oh I got you. I was okay. on top. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got you. So <laughs> <Sorry>. whatever. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't cute at all. <laughs> anyway, so Kelly did save me. Oh, my God. You know? All right, so you're not shitting on Kelly too bad. So then after that, <laughs> you still didn't have the conversation with Kelly. Like, Kelly, look, I want to lose my virginity. Was she a virgin? No, because it was hard to articulate these things yeah. back then. Because yeah. people didn't talk like that. I mean, I talk yeah. like that now, and it horrifies people <laughs> and, uh, you know, audiences. But, you know, back then, it's the Midwest. Yeah. And it's, like, literally 1999. Yeah. yeah it was and, different. like... I couldn't just say, Kelly, I want to fuck a yeah. guy. I couldn't say it. I've never, I never said that. Yeah. And, and on top of AIDS was pretty huge at that time too. So I imagine that was a big scare going around. Right. Well, I mean, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so when did you finally break free from the shackles of Kelly and your, <laughs> and your uh, floor sisters? Um... When I got a boyfriend my sophomore year. Your sophomore year? Yeah. Okay. And then from how long were you with this guy? I was with him for a good two years. Okay. Yeah. And now at this point, you're you're in marketing. You're not really liking it. But are you still doing any performance? Are you, are you acting? No. Or? No. That's the thing. It's like I just dropped all that. And I almost like forgot that I even played music because mm. I was with a different group of people. Yeah. You know? I'm with like, what do they call that? liberal arts people or um i don't know just the general public yeah you because know? in yeah. high school i was in orchestra i was yeah, in yeah. band i was in choir but i just kind of like strayed from that and joined the rest of the population yeah you know oh, hey 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 monty um can you uh can you hang out for about 20 minutes 20 minutes half hour yeah okay thanks man um so we'll cut that part out. Um, all right. So th this is a very. So when did you start getting back into performing? When did it happen for you? Um, when I moved to Boston. So you graduated. I graduated college, uh -huh. which was pointless. Why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> right. And you moved to Boston right. for a job. Did you have yeah, a marketing job? I got a job. I did have a marketing job. Yeah. I got a job uh, being a field representative for Sharpie. Oh. And they asked me what city I want to live in. I was like, Boston. Yeah. Because I wanted to do comedy. Wait, so you knew you wanted to do comedy? Yeah. At what point did you realize you wanted to do comedy? Was it did you did you see a performance that you liked or were you were you did you grow um, up watching it? In high it? school, everybody was always like, You're so funny, you should you're be so a comedian. Yeah. My choir teacher said it, my English teacher said it, and so I'd just be like, Yeah, I'm a comedian. And <laughs> and then <laughs> and I wrote for the school paper. So I just always wrote funny articles and everybody you know, was always like, you're so funny. Yeah. I read your articles first. Yeah. And then so my ego started growing. And then I moved to Boston and I started doing 
open mics. Yeah. So what was the f- what was the first thing that got you into an open mic? You're in Boston doing marketing, and then one night you're like, well, you're I wearing took, your pantsuit. Oh, I, took and you're a, like, I took a comedy class at the okay. Adult Center. Do you remember you took it, took it with? Steve Kalishman. Steve Kalishman, okay. Do you know him? No, but... You know, I always he was on Jeopardy. He was on Jeopardy. Yeah, okay. so we were all like excited. Like our teacher was on Jeopardy. And the classes you take the classes. <laughs> that's great. What are we his com- What are his comedy credentials? Like it doesn't matter. Um, so you took the class like what like a, a month long class. Yeah, it's like a five six week. class. And at class, the end, you go up on you stage. Perform at the comedy studio. Okay. In Harvard Square. And how was it for you? It was, was amazing. It was I amazing. Was like, yeah. And you crushed. Well, because when I was an orientation leader in college, we did plays like you're going to get date rape. One in four of you will be <laughs> date rape. And so like when we did the plays, uh, I remember my boss asking me, like, have you done comedy? And I'm like, no. She's like, oh, you talk like a comedian. So like I had practiced performing. I had been on stage since I was a baby yeah. for church. Sure. You know, so it just was super I just belong on stage. I'm just super natural on stage. Yeah. So the first time you went on, you totally, you felt like this is it. This is well, what I want to do. Well, I invited my uh, very Catholic roommate, Danielle, and all her friends and her boyfriend, Sully, and all their friends who like knew me as like this nice girl. <laughs> and then I invited them to my first comedy show because uh-huh. you're supposed to invite everybody you know. Of course, of course. And then I, I do a joke about... Um, yeah, do you guys remember your always first... Think, I said, guys always think my laugh is annoying. Uh, I said something like... I should really look it up. I should watch my video. But Oh, um, you have it, you have it on tape. you got to yeah. put that on YouTube, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I always I, think the first set you do as a, as a comic... It's funny because Bill Burr talks about the fact... He goes, you know, people go out in comedy, they haven't... Uh, an intuition about why they want to do it. They go on stage with the intuition and they do really well. And then they're told by society or by the business, like the type of comic they should be. And so they totally change and they actually end up going back to the person that they originally oh. were on their first set oh, wow. kind of instinctively, you know? So you came out of the oh, gate wow. being kind of sort of irreverent and, and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I told a dick-sucking joke on stage. Do you remember the dick-sucking joke? Something about my laugh, like, people find my laugh annoying. Well, you can't hear it when I'm sucking your dick. <laughs> <laughs> and That would still work, by the way. <laughs> and Danielle's friends had never seen me talk like oh, that. Oh, my like, God, yeah. Outside of a show. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah, and so you, di- you did great. And at this point, because I didn't have an experience where I did well the first time, but... When you did that well, were you like, this is it. This is my calling. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you had this marketing job where you're like, I'm going to quit this fucking job. No, I was like, I need this job to pay the bills because I had a company car. Yeah. Which is like a dream job for a comedian. For sure, because you drive everywhere. Yeah. yeah. So they were really my sugar daddy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it was amazing. You I worked- would be driving up to New Hampshire, Maine, driving other comedians. Yeah. Um, you know, what was your first paid gig? Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember what it was, but you were doing a lot, but you were doing a lot of spots. It just, all of a sudden you were just on stage all the time, like open mics. Yeah, because I could drive everybody to the show. So you'd get spots because you had a car. And I have a brand new car (laughs) and all these other comedians have beat up cars. I'm like, Hey, why don't we go in my paper mate mobile? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was great. And I would give all the comedians pens. Oh, you know, yeah, pens. And like my, I had a trunk full of pens, so I'd be like, "Hey, do you want a pen?" So I would make friends by giving pens to people. That's genius. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's amazing, like, how much you could get out of people if you just give them a Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> you get upgrades. Like, people love Sharpies. Oh, yeah. You know? So, I had that going for me. I so, it seems like the marketing side. degree actually so paid like, off. I was like, well, it did, right? <laughs> Maybe my parents were smart. Like, when I was just, when I was just selling these pens, I just, it's like, it's like it's something that people love. Yeah. You know, like my job was so easy. I went to Staples and fixed their pen display and, <laughs> you know, took down the big displays and put up Sharpies. Yeah. Like, that's all I did. <laughs> Do you talk about all of this in your in your comedy? Um, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are reminding me of stuff I should talk about. Yeah. It's great. Well, I think you, you seem like you're someone, you process your thoughts in comedic form. Like when you talk about stuff, it's automatically funny. Yeah. So that's great. I don't know. My, my stand-up, I feel like I need to move out of the punchline setup style because I have that punchline setup thing ingrained in my mind. Yeah. So all the jokes that I have, like these stories, that's why I love podcasting because you do have a chance to tell longer form stories. Yeah. And to me, I don't know how these stories can fit into a punchline setup. Sure. I get that. Formula. Mm -hmm. But maybe someday as your comedy evolves and you get older... You know, you're doing longer sets and you can incorporate it. Yeah, even when I do longer sets, I don't really talk about, like, all of this, but it is interesting, I guess. Yeah. I think it's really impressive the way you, like you said, process information, and you're you're really smart, you can tell. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> we I, love I, you, I, Esther. <laughs> I mean, to be you smart guys are smart. And funny. I, I love comedians. I'm not one myself, but I think they're some of the smartest people. You know, not all, but it's just the way your brains work. And then if you can take that and make it funny. Yeah. You know, what's so skill. funny is like, I don't know if everybody agrees with you. <laughs> that you you're that like, you're smart? Well, because I've like, I've smoked a lot of weed. <laughs> so they're like, God, she's such a pothead. You know, I think I have yeah. more of a pothead. But being a pothead and being reputation. stupid aren't synonymous either. You know? Yeah, I mean, you're fast. I think yeah. your brain works fast. Yeah. yeah. And you can look at, like, your parents and how they felt back then, and you can put yourself in situations. And not everybody can do that. Right. Yeah. And then you spin it and make it funny. Like, yeah. when I manage comedy clubs, you come across somebody every once in a while that can do that, and you're like, oh, wow, I really... And you're likable. I don't know. Not to just, like, give you so much <laughs> praise, but I just, I think it's really... I think you're awesome. Yeah. Aww. And so, uh, back to the nitty-gritty. Uh, so you're doing this and you're grinding, you're giving out Sharpies, you're making friends. Uh, and uh, at what point did things shift for you where all of a sudden it became like a, a real career and you had to like move out of marketing? Um, well, I got laid off ah. because of the recession. 2000... 2006. 2006, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got laid off from my job and it was devastating. I was in Philadelphia at the time calling on my pen customer and my boss like calls me and is like, hey, I'm in Boston. And I'm like, I'm in Philly. And so he like <laughs> fucking, he's like, I'm going to get on the next flight to Philly. And I was like, what's up with that? Yeah. I'm like, you didn't even tell me you're coming to work with me because my boss lived in like Ohio or whatever. Yeah. So then he like shows up in Philly. And is like, oh, yeah, this is really hard for me to say, but uh, we're laying off a bunch of you and you're one of them. And I started crying. I lost oh. my health insurance and my yeah, company car, that's huge. all my free pens. Yeah. And then um, <laughs> <laughs> all my free pens. <laughs> still have flashbacks. I love that. Sharpies. My free pens. Like, <laughs> no, I don't. But sometimes, I don't know. <laughs> I look back at my Sharpie photos of me giving away 
Oh my Sharpies God. at Fenway Park. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, I got laid off, but you know, I'm a fucking survivor, right? Yeah. Like I had to survive. Like when I left the church, I had to learn how to survive on my own yeah. without a whole community of people, you know, have who having my back. So I just got my shit together. I wrote them. Um, I negotiated my severance package. Yeah. Like I extended it for like six more months. I got a sweet severance package. So when I moved to New York, I was getting severance and unemployment. Nice. So I felt like a full-time comedian. Yeah. Even and though I'd only been doing it three years. Yeah. But I was hitting the stages like I was a full-time comedian. So when you got to New York, what stages did you first hit? Where did you first get up? Caroline's, Underground Lounge. How did you get up at Caroline's? How was it like a new talent how how were your connections in new york that you were able to get up these places um i would be i took like the chinatown bus back Uh and forth while i was still in boston so i was like laying down my seeds in new york while i was still in boston so when i got to new york i just knew people already yeah and that's a good way to move to a city you know like the bigger city so i just um i just went up and just did as much did as many shows as i could yeah and then I got on Last Comic Standing. So that was that the first would you say the, the big break for you was Last Comic Standing? That was my first television That's huge. Um show I ever did. And what year was this? Two thousand eight. How far along did you get with Last um, Comic Standing? Um I was a finalist in the house and I got kicked off the first week. Okay. Yeah. But you still got exposure yeah. for that first show. Yeah. It's yeah, huge. I got I made it into the house. Yeah. And it was that, amazing. Yeah, and that helped you probably get other gigs and stuff like that? You know, I think I was so new. Like, I think it almost hurt me. Like, I would recommend for comedians now to wait for their first TV credit. Like, all these young comedians, like, they all, like, I can't wait to get my first credit. And everybody's like a competition to get your yeah, first credit. Yeah. But it's it's almost like when you're 12 and it's like, I got my period. You don't have your period? Ha ha. <laughs> and it's just like, who cares? Like, just keep working on it. Yeah, keep working on your period. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually it'll Keep happen. Keep poking <laughs> holes in your vagina. <laughs> it'll come. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, I felt like it didn't get me that much work, actually. Yeah. Because I wasn't ready. You Interesting. Know? I felt I was way in over my head. Did you, did you look at your set from Last Comic Standing from TV and go, oof. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. it's also heavily moderated. Like they have, they they have to change what you say to make it fit the sponsorship. I was also cleaner then too because I auditioned for Last Comic Standing in Boston, and they were like, "She's too green." Uh, and then she also told me, uh, "Work on your clean jokes." So I worked on my clean jokes so that I had a five minute set yeah. in New York when I got to New York. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Paige was like, "Hey, good job!" Like you wrote some clean stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then I think that was my last clean joke ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last clean joke ever. <laughs> Haven't been on NBC since. <laughs> so, but things have, things have, I think things have gone really well for you. You have a, you have a, a huge social media following. People love you. You always do well on stage. So where did, uh, where did your kind of career start taking off if it wasn't from Last Comic Standing? When did it start? Um, uh, I would say I was in, like, Girl Code was a, Oh, that's huge. A huge one for me. Yeah. For the female audience Mm -hmm. because, and male audience. Yeah. But MTV, I felt like I was in that last class of MTV before everything started going to. Jersey Shore. Well, no, like your phone or streaming. Got it. It was right before Netflix and chill became huge. Yeah. And so uh, I got lucky, I feel like, because 
kids in college actually turned on a TV and watched what was on yeah, MT- a, a TV Girl lineup. Girl Code was huge. It was one of the last huge shows, I think, at MTV, really. Yeah, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember eating lunch at the MTV um, cafeteria in New York. And then, like, my face was up there big. And, like, all these MTV employees, like, they're so immune to it because yeah. they see it every day. And I'm like, that's <laughs> Look me. Look at this. That's, that's, that's me. me. Uh, no, so that anybody point, care? At that point, you must <laughs> feel like, did you feel like, I've made it. Like, this is sort of, you know, I mean, a lot of people would feel that way. Or did you feel like this was the beginning for you? How was it? Um, No, I. it's not like I feel like I made it because it's just, you know, you've been to, I've, like, that audition I got it but I've also been on so many auditions where I haven't got you know yes. it's not like I got girl code in year three of comedy so um I was more aware of the ups and downs of the business and I'm yeah. friends with enough comedians to know that just because you book one tv show doesn't mean you made it, it yeah. fucking, it's a lot of work to keep on trucking yeah and did you start, but Girl Code was probably enough to get you headlining gigs around Yeah, I did a ton of college gigs. Aren't colleges, don't you have to usually be clean for colleges? No? Um, unless you're like, they know you from a TV show. Yeah. Do you, you still know? do colleges? No, I don't, I don't do colleges. Because I've heard that colleges now are a complete, like almost every comic I know has stopped doing colleges just because of the climate. Because they're so PC, like they would call my agent and complain in, oh. But you know the schools that would complain? Wisconsin and Washington State. Really? And those were the two whitest schools. Interesting. That I had performed at. Everywhere else there was like a big mix of, you know, minorities. But these kids were so like living in such a bubble that one one school I made a joke because uh, in Washington State there was... One table of four black girls, and the rest, everybody was white. Yeah. And I say, give it up for Bill Cosby's granddaughters coming out tonight. (laughs) Really brave of them. And the room was just quiet. Yeah. They were like, don't talk about that. Yeah. Or don't point out anything. Like, they're just so uncomfortable with, like, any race jokes Mm -hmm. that they just, like, thought, they just called me racist for pointing that out. Yes. And I'm like, this is comedy. Like, it's... I, you know, I didn't call them names. I didn't say, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like. And this is before Bill Cosby was the Bill Cosby that we know nowadays. So it wasn't like, it didn't have that connotation attached to it either. I don't know. I think it was <laughs> out by then. Oh, it was out? Actually, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, well, hey, what, what uh, after you were headlining for a bit and you were doing colleges, um, you just made your home base in New York, right? Yeah. I, I think I, you were at the stand a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where I saw you last. That was on the sidewalk. On the sidewalk. (laughs) Of the stand. Yeah. And I I feel that um, your comedy is definitely, uh, uh, what would you attribute the success of your comedy? Because for me, I I think part of it has to do with the cognitive dissonance between the fact that you look like a 15-year-old girl, you look like sweet as pie, and you are very irreverent and dirty. And I think that is, is probably shocking for some people, and- comics love it and i think that a lot of audiences love it do you, do you think about that consciously that how you come across versus your material or is it just this is who you are and it doesn't matter well it is weird because do we really have that much control over how we look i mean i could go get you know tattoos tomorrow and piercings <laughs> and dye my hair pink and look radically different yeah. but 
It's not like I chose to look innocent. Yeah. Like, it's just genetics. Yeah. But I you, had no control over but it. But you've probably had a lot of industry people in your life, agents, managers, prying, like, come on, Esther, can you just be clean? We want you on The Tonight Show. We want you. Is that something that you've had to deal with, fight, um, fight against? No. No? no. I think a good manager doesn't tell you what to do with your material. Yeah. A manager is there your is your business person. Yeah. You know, they're supposed to open doors for you and set up meetings and auditions. Like if a manager said that to me, I'd be like, I don't want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I know what to do, you don't. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things I also like about I actually contacted you about doing um uh, I was a consultant on the True TV Laugh Tracks. Uh-huh. And I said, hey, Esther, would you be interested? And you're like, what? One of my jokes, some other motherfuckers acted out? No, thanks. I was like, good for you, because I had like 200 comics begging me. To be to, on it? Yeah. See, that show, it's a great concept for a show, but the fact that they hire an actor who looks like the comedian <laughs> whose act it is, I would I would never agree to do that. Yeah. I don't understand why all these comedians are trying to do that show. Oh, yeah. All of them. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> so what are you doing in the business area? What is your, what's your trajectory? Is there something that you're, uh, you're working on? Or do you have, like, do you write sitcoms? Do you have a, a Sharpie story or a, <laughs> a high school cult story that you're working on? You know, I do. I should really write a book. Yeah. Is what I should do. I should really put the blunt down and <laughs> pick up my keyboard. We could you know, start with just writing s- blogs and stories and just, yeah. you know. Yeah, because I do love writing. Yeah, and that's you still how, write? That's how I started. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, as a writer on my high school paper. Yeah. So I, I really need to get back to writing. Um, I just recorded my comedy album nice. in San Diego, and I'm going to edit that and post that. So this is just audio? Just audio. Yeah. And then um, I'm hosting the Porn Awards in January. Wow. How does that come about? How do you get the host of the Porn Awards? You know, you just got (laughs) to... Talk about masturbation enough and (laughs) people notice. You got to be a sex-friendly comedian. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because like you got to be not afraid to talk about... Because all these people who are like, you should write clean material. You're never going to get on Johnny Carson. I'm like, Johnny Carson's dead. (laughs) And... and, and, you know, you just got to, like, do what you think is right, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? If I was a cleaner comedian, I'd be making a lot more money. But <laughs> Well, that's always the, the argument, right? Is like right. If you really want So you, you just stuck to your guns. You're authentic with your voice. and uh, I wish I could write clean jokes. I just feel like I know you mean. I know you mean. Yeah, it's really hard for me to write clean jokes. Because to me, if it's not remote, if it's not kind of embarrassing, I'm not really interested in talking about it. Like if it doesn't make me a little embarrassed to talk about, where I feel a little giddy on stage talking about it, I don't. I don't know what the point is. You know, people want to talk about sex. I like that you're putting it out there and making it more, you know, normal to talk about it. Well, because for me, having grown up so religious and so restricted and I had to stay a virgin until I was married, mm-hmm. yeah. it just, this is my rebellious spirit coming out. Sure. Yeah. And I know people give female comedians a lot of shit for talking about sex and it's like, oh, every female comedian wants to talk about sex. They can't talk about anything else. But for me, it's really personal. Like, sure. This was something I wasn't allowed to even do. And do you discuss that in your comedy, like the, the, the background for this 
I mean, on podcasts, on I don't podcasts, know if really. like a comedy club audience really gives a shit. <laughs> they just want. They just want to get right to the nuts and. They're just drunk and want to laugh. You know yeah. how it is. Yeah, I think it's really interesting, like yeah. the, the background and then how you are now. I'm, like I said, I'm not a comedian, but I do like I write about sex, and I would like I wanted to write like a Fifty Shades of Grey book because that was kind of something in my childhood we couldn't talk about. So now it's like I almost have a bit of. I don't want to call it an obsession, but it's fun. It's physical. It's connection with people. Yeah. You know, people relationships are changing. The nature of how we, how we connect, who we connect with. And so. yeah. And w- do you think about when you talk about sex and you talk about relationship? Do, do you think about uh, a responsibility to to f- women and women comics and younger women who might be confused about it? Like, do you look at it as like people? Uh, should be should talk about it more, and this is something that is important. Or do you do you, do you go no, that? No, it's just what I day? choose to talk about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not saying you should talk about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. but every I think there's so little still known about the female orgasm that it's fascinating when women talk about it. Yeah, yeah agree. You know, we've heard from the male point of view times a million, not yeah. to knock guys or you know what you're doing, like because you know you guys work hard. And everything, but <laughs> work hard to get those female you know, I know orgasms. Guys can get really sensitive talking about this shit because you know they feel like, you know, like they're missing out. But it's like it's like yeah, but it, it's fine for us to talk about sex because women we come every woman comes differently. Yeah, you know, for sure. every guy I'm with comes the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the, true. I think that's pace, fascinating. The pace yeah. slows down, and then it, something dribbles out of their dick. <laughs> How old are these guys that it dribbles out? Um, I wanted to bring up uh, this show Big Mouth. Do you, Have you guys seen it? I've heard so much about it, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. seen it yet with Nick Kroll. Yeah, I was really excited about it. If you haven't seen it, I won't go into it, but it's about these adolescent boys, and actually boys and girls, and they're f- like growing up in, I don't know, learning about masturbation and all this sort of thing. They're going through puberty. Yeah, puberty. That's the word. But I was just thinking, when we grew up, we that wasn't something that was on television. Oh, you could never. never. You exactly. Have I it. know, I w- it's such a different time nowadays. Yeah. Like, when we were growing up, you couldn't talk about that uh-uh. stuff. And uh-uh. it's good for the kids to see this because the more they can ask questions and just get comfortable in their own skin. So Yeah, it, kids these days, they're so lucky. Like, when I got my period, I wasn't even able to say the words to my mom. I have my period. Yeah. Oh, I hid because it from my I, mom. You did? Yeah. I exactly. Had my, like, because it was almost like, like a, in a container. It was like, how her. dare you get your period? Yeah. Now you're like, can reproduce. Yeah. And that's threatening to moms. And also it's like, you know, your little girl is growing up and I just, had never my mom had never told me that periods are going to come so i just showed her a bloody panty yeah and then she gave me a pad and we never spoke about that it that was it yeah isn't that fucking bizarre <laughs> it's yeah. very bizarre uh, yeah same <laughs> <laughs> now have you ever ever had sets with sex where, where you're uh, talking about it? um you can you can sit down for a sec you want to hang out yeah yeah um sets where uh it went horribly awry, like you were talking about this. And the, I know you're talking about the colleges and the, and the and the black students, but when you're talking about sex, where you felt like the audience just turned on you, do you have any really bad bombing stories, basically? <clears throat> um, I do have bad bombing stories, yeah. 
one time Charlie Murphy came in while I was on stage at Caroline's or right before I came on stage. <clears throat> I wish I didn't know. You know, you know, oh, yeah. there's like a big comedian and everybody knows that they're there, but yeah. you're next and you're like, fuck, why do I have, <laughs> why couldn't he would have walked in without me knowing? Yeah. Because when you know that they're in the room, you're like, oh, I'm horrible. Why am I even doing comedy? Right. So I just went up on stage and just ate shit <laughs> from the first second. <laughs> it was because you were nervous. Were you yeah, like, yeah, because I was so nervous because everybody was like, Charlie Murphy's here. <laughs> and I was just like, <gasps> what do I do? It's like I couldn't even talk. And I just bombed so bad. And I think somebody from the audience was like, this is terrible. Like he just. Like he didn't even have to. Like, he was, he wasn't even saying it loudly. He wasn't even heckling. Yeah, he was yeah. just saying it to his wife. Like, this is <laughs> and it was so quiet you and could it hear was the so whisper. So quiet, nobody was laughing throughout my whole set that you could even just hear one guy saying that to his fucking wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I love Caroline's regardless of that one <laughs> terrible bombing. How about any heckler situations? Have people ever kind of like gotten angry at you or approached you during a show or after a show or anything like that? Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't really get a lot of hecklers. Yeah. Actually, I get the opposite because if I do... You get stalkers? Crowd work. No, if I'm doing crowd work and I'm like laying into people and I go really hard. Yeah. You know, because I'm an immigrant. I'm a, you know, product of an immigrant. So we make fun of people for the way you look, you know, like yeah. look at this guy's big ears and his fucking, you know, pot belly. And we like immigrants... Wait a minute. <laughs> immigrants, <laughs> we like talking like... You know, we like making fun of the way people look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's just fucking fun. And so you'll just and destroy when that happens. some people can't take it. Yeah. Like, I had this one guy at Flappers. I was making fun of him. I was like, this guy, you know, it's always the short, short guys, short, muscly guys who have the tiniest dicks. And so afterwards, he came up to me and acted all friendly. And he, like, shook my hand. He was like, that was really funny. And then he yanked my arm. Uh-huh. Like, really hard. Whoa. And I was just like. And he just had like this, you know, he was shorter than me. He, he just had this fucking gripe against life for being such a fucking Obviously he had a small shrimp. dick. That is a small dick move when you yeah. yank a woman's arm because <laughs> they accuse you of having a small dick. Yeah, I mean, he was, you know, fucking, that was violent, <laughs> you know? Like, so that that always stuck out to me. It's yeah. like, this is fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why am I getting my arm yanked by this guy? <laughs> And so uh, let's uh, let's start to wrap this up. What what are you working on now? Is there anything that you want to talk about or that you're excited about working on? Um, well, you just did your comedy album, which is awesome. Yeah, so I have to find a name for my comedy album, and I'm excited. We could brainstorm right now, guys. <laughs> what are the options? Do you have some options for um, a name? I was thinking of naming it Naturally Provocative, Mm-hmm. but... I wasn't sure about that one. That sounds like that could be like a, a thriller from like mm. 1984. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I am a thriller from 1980, <laughs> so it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I'm watching a lot of porn to prepare for the AVNs. Okay. So I'm like watching all this like vintage 80s porn. Oh, wow. It's actually really- Where they have actual hair down there. Oh and my gosh, they have so much hair. <laughs> And then you go in this rabbit hole of like you looking up this porn star. You're like, this girl is so beautiful. She could have been a movie star. Yeah. Why is she doing porn? And I looked up her name. Her name was Angel, and she never even picked a last name. <laughs> it's just Angel. <laughs> and then I had to like look search for her using her real name, which was Jennifer James. Okay, yeah. I'm like, that sounds like a porn name. That's definitely <laughs> a porn name. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So now I'm just like going down these porn. And when is homes. when is the porn awards? Uh, January 26th. January 26th. Yeah. Okay, that's really all. And how much do you have to material do you have to do for it? Uh, like six minutes. Six. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you probably have most of it already written. Totally. I imagine. Yeah. It's gonna be a piece of cake for you. Could and you ask your social media followers for ideas on your album? Yeah, this is a good way to oh, crowdsource. Yeah. Yeah, my fans, like, they just, I like interacting with them and. Yeah. Do you have any crazy fans, like stalker fans, who are like, I might need a restraining order type I of thing? I have one guy who lives in Thailand. He's going to listen to this and tweet you. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you were looking at her. <laughs> He's seen me perform in New Jersey, Sacramento, and Singapore. Oh, wow. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Yeah. Like a super fan, unless yeah. it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> No. He, I hope this isn't the last time I see you, Esther. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a he's a he's a super fan. All right. You know, and he lost a ton of weight. Uh oh. I was like, yo, what happened to you? Yeah. You Maybe know? your parents will get that baby after all. <laughs> Can I uh, ask baby. Yeah. For we're wrapping it up. Yeah. Are you in a relationship now? I am in a relationship right now. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> I could see your boner I'm sticking out of your <laughs> pajama pants. <laughs> okay, that's the end of this podcast. I got to go. Relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord Savior. Now we're talking. Okay, so is this Bring someone, how long have you been in your relationship? For a while now. That sounds. Yeah, it's the guy at the frat house that I was 69 <laughs> <was 69ing. laughs> oh, uh, So do you think about marriage? Is, some, is that part of... Uh, no, because of, of my arranged marriage ordeal, like mm-hmm. I never wanted to get, uh, I never wanted to get married because, you know, I had a bad taste in my mouth from like wanting yeah. from them trying to force me into an arranged marriage. Yeah. But now I see all these bitches getting alimony. I'm like, maybe I should have gotten <laughs> married, man. I'm out here on these streets on my own. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's great. Like, that was a good business <laughs> yeah. plan you guys had, boy. <laughs> All right. Well, Esther, I think you're amazing and it's so good that you came and did this podcast. I'm so happy to see you. And uh, Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much what for else, having what me. Else, what else can we plug for you? We have uh, your, your oh, Instagram. Oh, you can your to my podcast, Coup in the Gang. Coup in the Gang. Yes. There you go. I was about to say you could do a pun for your uh, album title, too. Uh, Coup in the Gang. And uh, your Instagram handle is at Esther Coup. Everything Twitter, Esther Coup. Esther Cuckoo. Esther Cuckoo. Yeah. Does some oh, bitch have it. Esther Coo? Yes. <laughs> oh, my and God. And I'm trying to get Twitter to fucking, I need to go to San Francisco. Get the guy from Thailand to kill her, <laughs> and then no. you'll have your own handle. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you All so right. much for coming. Thank you. You're the yeah. best, Esther. Thank you so much. Yeah, sure. That is, that's me signing off from the Afterlife. Bye-bye. It's the after left, after left. Welcome to the after left, after left, after left, after left, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs>